The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast, powered by ASICS. I'm Brett McKay. New Zealand have enjoyed another rugby championship, but as a cup double triumph, while a Drua-laden flying Fijians are the team to beat the Pacific Nations Cup and your place for the biggest and best international rugby discussion is the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. So glad we could bring Scotty Sumo Stevenson back on the pod last week. Such an enjoyable chat as we knew it would be. And though there were no baked goods burned last week, there was an internet outage, which we obviously had to edit around. Uh, and similarly, uh, wonderful to be able to bring you the, the Bledisloe instant reaction from the TMO box at the MCG on Saturday now. Now, thanks to Jim Tucker again for being on board. Joining me this and every week, the co-host of the debut number five rugby podcast in Belgium, Harry Jones. Hello. How are you doing? Goeiemorgen, Belgium. Uh, you know, since we have a very serious guest coming on this week, I'm not going to yep. be too silly. I've been accused of being an inappropriate smart arse and almost X-rated. So I'm going to launch into one of my rants, which is, I think the Wallabies are on the verge of setting several world records. They might mm-hmm. set the world record for one season of tackles attempted, tackles missed, and tackles made uh, if they continue at this 225 tackle attempt per test so far. The front row of the Wallabies, half of whom are now um, out, on the top yeah. five of the entire rugby championship for tackles, Rob Bellatini, who's probably your best carrier, don't you think, yeah. has two times as many tackles as carries. Mm-hmm. In Six Nations history, which has the best history of stats, uh, this rate would put Australia in the top five ever, and Bledisloe one would be the most tackles by any Six Nations team over any period of time. So the entire yeah. history of Six Nations, yes, of attempts. I'm not talking about made because we focus too much on how many tackles yeah, were yeah. made. The attempts, attempts will hurt you yeah. even more that you slip off of. Missed tackles teams, you know, Australia is now resembling. England in the fi- in the last five uh, six nations where Eddie was um, was having trouble with with uh, the same setup and the problem is he's not even keeping enough possession now so it's literally just one way traffic it, the totals are resembling rugby league uh, and so in, at the MCG as you well know there were two hundred eighty nine mm-hmm. attempted tackles that is more than the entire carry count over all three two thousand twenty three tests for the Wallabies so ninety five carries per game. Is a three-to-one ratio what we're looking for here? Is this no. the plan? Is this why Eddie was on our pod speaking of a 7-1 bench? Uh, and, and also, is Tom Hooper supposed to be Jacques Berger, who started his career, Namibian flanker, amazing guy for Saracen, started his career six foot two, nice five foot ten. So <laughs> that's it. So yeah, maybe that's the way that so Tom Hooper is gonna grow into the number seven role. <laughs> He'll be an open sider for real. He's like, gotcha. I will make you an open sider by stunting gotcha. your throat. Yeah. I understand. Look, it was an incredible tackle. Like, like New Zealand made 200 plus tackles. So we're talking 500 tackle attempts for the game on Saturday night. It was just, just absolutely incredible. Just absolutely incredible. Um, when we will get into this more, obviously, no doubt. 
Uh, powered by ASICS, the Raw has in place a wonderful partnership with ASICS, the official performance apparel and footwear supplier to the Wallabies, and the superb Wallabies 2023 Rugby World Cup jersey is available to purchase in-store and online at asics.com.au now. And please do check out the Raw's quest to name the greatest ever Wallabies Rugby World Cup 15, where from a list of more than 150 players to have pulled on an Australian jersey at a Rugby World Cup, Jim Tucker, Christy Doran and myself have recorded a special podcast which we narrowed that long list down to a much shorter list of five options in each position. Your job is to head to theraw.com.au before midnight next Tuesday, August 8, and make your selection in each position. You can find the shortlisting pod wherever you get your podcasts and it will culminate in the naming of the Raw's greatest ever Wallabies Rugby World Cup 15, powered by ASICS, to be unveiled in the days leading up to this year's tournament. Hit me, mate, with a hero. What have you got? Uh, it's all Kiwis this week. My second runner-up hero is Grant Nesbitt, who I've mm. never called Tony Johnson. Why <laughs> Nesbitt? Because he did not call all the non-blonde Wallabies Corobetti, uh, or my Pimpy for that matter. He actually had their names printed yeah. out very nicely. So first runner-up is Ian Foster. Remember, mm. 7th of August, 2022, NZ Stuff. They wrote this, Ian, Ian Foster can't escape the nightmare. As he watched the All Blacks lose 26-10 to the Springboks in the rugby championship match in Mombala in Sunday morning, Foster may have finally realized he is no longer the right man to coach this team. <laughs> Five losses from the last six tests says it all. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Yes, now we know that there's more story to it. And yes, I know Uncle Joe Schmidt and Jason Bourne Ryan were really the ones that fixed the ruck arrival and starter plays. But come on, Ian Foster, take a bow. You're at the top of the world, favorite for the World Cup. But my hero of all heroes is the 50s-looking uh, head boy prefect who pounds poor little <laughs> nines, little year nines in the hallway. The hallway pounded uh, Scott Barrett. He looks it? nice, but he's kind of nasty. He pounded both Wallaby nines, and he made them shush. He actually put his finger yeah. on Nick White's mouth and said, this one. I want Shush, you Nicholas. to be quiet. Shush. So, you know, the whole history of New, New Zealand recently is just a history of the Barretts. You had, mm. you, had uh, you know, Bowden Bach beating Bastard Barrett from 2013 to 2019. From 19 <laughs> to 22, you had the Raccoon. And now you have the hallway <laughs> prefect Pounder. Pounder. He's, he's I love the best that. player in the world right now. He's playing like he's, an, he's like an hybrid of number eight and lock. He's like Kieran mm. Reed if he was a lock. Yeah. Yeah, he's playing exceptionally well. And I love that a label that we gave to Scott Barrett in, what, episode five last year, the Hallway Pounder, is still carrying on. And what, uh, and what did we call Tate McDermott in that same one I said? I think he was the mining analyst. And he, he was, was the, yes. The strip club buffet aficionado. <laughs> <laughs> he just got folded. Oh, and, then got... Bo- and then Scott Barrett has that sheepish grin. I'm sorry, that's a little Kiwi joke, but he had that sheepish grin, and uh, it was a beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah, no, it really was. It really was. What was not a beautiful thing is uh, the zero for the week, and that is uh, Melbourne traffic, which <laughs> just delayed the All Blacks' arrival at the MCG, just by not a huge amount, but enough that if you were at the stadium, you were thinking, is that Aaron Smith running out for a warm-up at a quarter to eight? <laughs> like, it just wasn't quite right. Really? So, wow. Yeah, just knocked the kickoff back a little bit on the run sheet. Um, and, look, you know, Melbourne can do big event sport better than most, but when it comes to traffic, they're at the whims of the gods like every other big city in the world. And 
a bonus zero for the week um, might actually be me because I realized listening back to the instant reaction that my phone headset that I was using was ripping up and down against the zipper on my jumper and you can hear this scratching noise. So if you listened on, on, on the, to the instant reaction, my apologies. That I was, thought you were trying to be me. sexy, Brad. I thought you were <laughs> no, not intentionally. <laughs> not intentionally. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, we are heading back over the ditch this week, uh, and Harry and I are both very excited about this week's guest. Truly one of the great commentators in the rugby world. The Raw Rugby Podcast. We are still connected to the pod's Auckland studios this week, and from there we offer a very warm welcome to one of Harry and my favourite commentators. He's been with Sky Sport in New Zealand for more than two decades. He's just part of the furniture when it comes to their rugby coverage. He's done Olympics, he's done Commonwealth Games, Rugby World Cups, he's an author, he's a columnist, and this week he adds Raw Rugby Podcast guest to an already bulging CV. Please <laughs> welcome Harry Jones to the great Tony Johnson. Yes. Welcome, mate. Welcome, to oh, Great uh, to have you on. Th- thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, as I was saying, Dan, and, I, and I'm not sort of trying to um, pee in anyone's pockets here, but I, I am a, a, a regular reader of The Raw. Um, I, I love the, the raps on the Monday morning. I've been listening to your podcast. So it's very nice to... Uh, to be invited to be part of it, and I, I'm sure we're going to have a great, uh, great time chewing the oh, fat. Oh, we are. Now, is this is this where you tell us who your secret handle for the last ten years has been? Have you been leaving comments there for ten years? <laughs> no, mate, that's one, <laughs> no, that's one thing I, I, I don't do. Uh, I read, okay. but I don't, I don't, I don't participate. But yeah, it's always fun. And look, um, what what's good? What happens with a lot of sites is that you know you, you open up for comments, and it tends to degenerate over time. But yeah, I have to say, you've got a pretty intelligent uh, clientele there. So, yeah, it's just always... Tony, right. Tony if you do get a handle, um, I, I suggest Nesbo. Nesbo, <laughs> Nesbo number nine. Yeah, yeah, that's a good... That'd be that'd be a good, uh, a good anonymous one. Now, Harry, uh, you don't know what I'm about to do here, but you do know that every now and again I find a guest for slightly ulterior motives. Uh, and I've done that again with Tony Johnson. So I need to I need to tell you something. This is this is the Sky Sport magazine that was running New Zealand for a long, long time, was edited uh, by Scotty Stevenson. Now, you know that Sumo gave me a job being the Australian colonist in this magazine for its last two years of its, of its, of its existence, right? So there I am now. This is the last edition of the mm. magazine. But he turned over my page to the very last column. And look at that. Oh, there he is. <laughs> I was so say, I've that been was quite a long time ago, judging by the, uh, the, the color of the hair there. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just, uh, I've just put together an impromptu Sky Sport magazine reunion for the last two weeks, Tony. Yeah. So it's been lovely. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> it's been very good. Now we. We start in pretty much the same place every week, Tony, and that's simply to ask what stood out for you on this uh, this pretty big weekend of rugby that's just gone past. Well, firstly, I think really it, it, World Cup years are funny because you, yeah. I think the rugby championship should always have an asterisk beside it because yeah. coaches play ducks and drakes and bobbing and weaving and Sometimes, you know, I remember Jake sort of basically clearing out his team, sending a B team to New Zealand because they knew they couldn't win it. All that sort of thing goes on. But I actually think uh, the All Blacks came through a different kind of challenge. 
a different kind of game to what they'd been playing. Um, you know, they didn't have control of the scoreboard early on in the way that they'd had mm. games against Argentina and South Africa. And I think for, for long periods, particularly the, uh, at the end of the first half and then the second half, the Wallabies asked questions of them. And what came out of that to me is that this is becoming quite a composed team. And yes. when the Australians were asking questions of them, they were attacking. The All Blacks kept their shape. They kept their composure. And most importantly, they kept their discipline. Uh, yeah. Yes, but they were on the wrong side of the penalty count in the end. And that's one of the weird things that happened in this game is that Australia actually conceded fewer penalties than the All Blacks and yet somehow ended up with two guys in the bin. But to me, that, that was the, the thing that came out of this. We've had two matches where the All Blacks have roared out to a great start mm. and kind of been able to control the test from there on in. Um, you know, with the opposition obviously coming back at them, but still kept at arm's length. This was different, and they kind of had to grind Australia down a little bit, but in the periods where Australia was on attack, the threats that they possessed, that they managed to hold it together, keep their shape. Mm. And I think, to me, that was probably the big thing that came out of this Test match. And then, of course, on top of that, that amazing ability that they've had to transition from, you know, long yeah. periods on hard outs. And suddenly they're down the other end. Yeah, yeah. It was. I've written as much uh, in my column for Tuesday that thirty-eight-seven was, I think, a fair reflection of the game. But at the point the Wallabies hold up Adi Sabe a, a minute before halftime, it's twelve-seven, and they'd have been thinking if they go to halftime at twelve-seven, that's actually a pretty good indication yep. of the fight. And so nineteen-seven, when the when the All Blacks did score after whatever it was, twenty-one or twenty-two phases. That actually felt a bit rough for for, for, me, for yeah. me watching there in the stand. So, yeah, it's a it's a good call. There, it was a different All Bucks performance. There's no doubt yeah. about that. You, you mentioned it there, twenty plus phases that um, they're holding the ball, um, and I think twenty of their points. I read somewhere twenty of their points could could go back to five plus phase attacks. Yes, and that that's something, and that's got Joe Smith written all over it. I think we know that. Yes. Um, but also, I just, you know, from the Australian perspective, um, I, I think if, if there's a lesson to come out of from them is that you get down and you attack, don't leave empty-handed. So next yeah. time you get a penalty, take yeah. the three. That's what we saw in South Africa. That's what kept the Pumas in the game. They just yes. kept chipping away. In fact, if, if, if they'd had, uh, you know... Um, Nico Sanchez, maybe, or Boffelli kicking the goals, they probably would have got even closer. So that, that to me, from, from uh, mm. that's one of the takeaways for the Wallabies from me. Yeah, 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 for sure. And and doing that, Argentina, that's not Michael Checkaway. So that's that's an evolution for them as well. So yeah, it's it's really good points. Harry, what did you what did you have? What stood out for you? Well, right now what's standing out for me is Tony Johnson's voice. He's the only guy I've ever heard that's got a better voice than me. Uh, just a beautiful <laughs> thing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm enraptured. Uh, yeah. No, what stood out for me was 22-year-old Cam Roygaard. He's 19 minutes on the park as All yeah. Blacks number 1,210. His pass was on time from the deck. His delivery was uh, succinct. His offhand kept high. He, he showed where he was going. His elbow was finishing beautifully. He kept that ball alive for Rico Yoani's try, where I think a lot of other nines would have been tackled. I'm going to say this. Sorry, it's early on, but he found his inner Uist. He's a big, strong nine, and that's actually interesting mm -hmm. nowadays. Because a lot of people are whippets, but he's um, he's hard to tackle. And I like that he's 
also calm for a 22-year-old. Yeah. yeah, yeah, got a big future ahead of him, no doubt. Look, the the thing to me that become very, very obvious by, you know, inside an hour on Saturday night is how absolutely crucial the tight head prop still is in modern, in modern rugby. <laughs> and the old, the old joke is that you write down number three on the team sheet first and then number 18 second. But the impact of the injuries to Alan Alalatoa, which is a confirmed Achilles rupture, Tanila Tupo goes off um, 58 minutes in with with ribs, and the impact of those two guys going off of the Wallabies just cannot be understated. And oh man, I mean um, Alalatoa being out for you know nine months is going to be massive for the for the Wallabies and even for the Brumbies next year. But uh, if Tanila Tupo is out for a period of time as well. That's going to make a hard job even harder. No, no question about that. How important Tony was retaining the Bledisloe to Ian Foster? Do you think? Because it's always been in the back of my mind that Ian Foster has, above all else, has never wanted to be the bloke that lost it. Yeah, um, it was the twenty-first birthday, actually. Um, of, of yeah, no, we, we knew. To, yeah, that it's, that it's been that long, but. I mean, it's a, a bit of an old cliche, but the, the players say it. You know, they used to say it. they don't want to be in the first team to lose to Ireland. Uh, they don't want to be in the first team to lose in 50 years to Wales or whatever it is. They certainly don't want to be in the team that hands back the Bledisloe Cup. And I think the Bledisloe Cup this year, um, probably for both teams, was more important than the Rugby Championship for the reasons I mentioned yeah. before yeah. about being a World Cup year, the shuffling around. You know, and I thought Eddie put in my opinion, his best team out on the field for this. And that's why I was looking so much forward um, to this test match. He'll be very pleased now because it leaves him in a good situation where um, rugby championship tick, Bledisloe Cup tick, he's sorted out quite a few questions over two or three positions, I think, uh, where there were big question marks. I think um, the the 10 was already (laughs) sorted out before the season started. They knew that Moonga was their guy. The key was, could Barrett contributed fullback yes Geordie Barrett at 12 I think the season started they thought we're going to go with him and yep tick and Shannon Frizzell at, at six uh, although he wasn't yeah. quite as d- devastating um so yeah those questions were were answered as well so those are bonuses but as I say the Bledisloe Cup I think the most important because we all knew that and I think Eddie deep down would really really wanted to win Yes, come to New Zealand, put the pressure on. Because it's almost like the equivalent of the, the two-shot swing in golf where someone birdies, someone bogeys. Yeah. Australia wins back the Bledisloe Cup in a World Cup year. What a massive boost that yeah. would be. But also, um, I'm not sure about um, the effect it would have on the New Zealand economy, uh, but it would certainly have a different <laughs> effect on the rugby populace, the All Blacks yeah. as well. So in many ways, I thought that Saturday was the most important test of the year to date. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. It's a good shout, and I've always had the feeling, and, and I think um, I think Harry, you've even picked this up. There's always been the feeling with Eddie Jones returning, as if he's almost been saying, "Well, you haven't you haven't won it back since I left, so I'm just going to have to win it back, aren't I?" Like he, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's, there's that determination about him to 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 be the guy that that won it after initially being the guy to lose it. So I think that would cap him off. Yeah, I, I I alone can save you. Well, Tony, actually, I read an article you wrote um, in 2022, early 2022, before um, the rugby championship of that year, about the midfield. And you said that, I mean, um, that the All Blacks are basically as good as the midfield in, in history. 
Uh, and so at that time, Foster hadn't found his midfield. He had seven combinations. I think you pointed out that Anton Leonard Brown and Goodhue were the most common combo. Now we're looking, now looking at, you said Rico had come along at 13. And then you said the other joker that pack is Jordy Barrett. He said, he is a very big man, almost with a loose forward build. <laughs> and if he is going to switch, he'd best do it sooner. And then now it's happened. Are you secretly an all-black selector? <laughs> I tell you what, I've just been, oh, you've just become my best mate, Harry Jones. <laughs> <laughs> now, recollection. I have no recollection of writing that. Yeah. Did I really say that? Goodness I God. could have been someone like oh. Tony Johnson, but uh, no, that was you. <laughs> And so you now sure it wasn't the bloke on the previous page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. One of, one of you two guys wrote that. And so now New Zealand has the tallest midfield in the world, big, strong. Both guys are sort of makeshift, you know, converts. However, I do think Jordy played 12 in schools. But you're looking at it now, that's actually, you know, you have, you have uh, Henshaw, Ringrose, you have, you have Delende Arm, and you have Dante Fiku. But now you suddenly have a pretty well-settled midfield. It's not the most traditional midfield. But are you looking at that and thinking that's going to work? That's the something that could take the All Blacks pretty far in this World Cup? Well, I think it's now, it has become their first choice. In a, in a way, circumstances have prevailed upon them because Anton Leonard-Brown has been out of action and he definitely was a contender. And you've had other guys too um, who have been sort of plagued by injuries, uh, Goodhue, or two of them who... A couple of years ago, were looking like they could be strong contenders as well. And then, of course, they tried David Havili there, who has a kind of different skill set. Uh, yeah. He's got lovely touches to his game, and he's got the ability to open up the defence, and he's a smart guy, and he's a good operator. Mm. He makes pretty good decisions, I think. Strong, strong defender. Do, yeah, very good. good smart defender. Um, but I, I, I do think, and it was a criticism that I had of, of, of Ian Foster's uh, coaching regime, uh, before they made the changes, that they were simply asking David Havili to do something that he was not built yeah. to do. And and now, Geordie uh, Barrett, and again, I think this is a decision that they were probably 85% sure before the, the, the season started that, that in, in fact, Ian Foster flagged it. I was part of a, a group that had a, a bit of a, a pre-season chat with him. And he kind of flagged it, that we're, at the moment we're looking at Geordie and they've stuck with that. And, and you've got to give them credit for that, too, because he, his form through Super Rugby wasn't compelling. Right. Um, he, he had, he it was had okay. Really, You're right. Yeah. He, yeah. But just, he just didn't kind of catch yeah. the eye in, in the way guys like, you know, Leah were doing um, for the Blues and, and mm. Stevens for the Chiefs and those sorts of players. But they've stuck with the plan. And, and obviously, <coughs> you know, they have got a, a, a plan. And they've been working on it. And Rico Ioane, to me, t tends to be he, a little bit maligned sometimes. Um, some people call him out for his defence. And, yeah, he does fall off the odd tackle. But he also saves a lot of games yeah. with his tackling. And I doubt there's a centre in the world who's as quick off the mark as his arms are fantastic. No. Don't get me wrong. Shot. But Rico has got that winner's acceleration. And so I think because of the circumstances uh, that that – uh, became their their combination for a while. It was probably their only choice. And now you've got Leonard Brown coming back in the frame. You've, they've got a big decision that they've got to make. Um, is it in or is it Havili? Because I think they'll only take one of them to the World Cup. Mm. But I think that has been one of the things that that was a it's been a ever 
Maha Nonu stepped aside, that has been the big question mark in, in the All Black side, and, and maybe they, they have found their answer there. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I need to, at this point, mention for our, uh, for our, our, our people listening that I'm going to pop a picture of Tony's reaction when Harry read that article out because – that was genuinely the face of a man who could not remember writing what he'd written. So, <laughs> Harry, you're going to have to send Tony that link because he's going to print that out and frame it, I think. <laughs> Pretty happy to hear that. Do you, do you think, Tony, that was uh, that was Ian Foster's first 15 on Saturday night? And, and if not, who can possibly come back into it? Uh, yeah, I, I think it was pretty close to it. Um, mm. The only question marks might be... Uh, you know who plays on the left wing? Um, yeah, and I think after his performance, you've got to have Jordan in the mix. I know a lot of New Zealanders, you know, want to see Jordan at the fullback. I like Bodie there because of his ability to 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 read the play from the back. He's got the whole field out in front of him, and and that's what they've been thinking about him. And, and he's never really, even though he had this these these in, incredible moments uh, while Dan Carter was still around. He's never really assumed that mantle of the number 10. I think that's firmly no. Richie Mormon now. But they want him on the field. Jordan, I don't care where he plays. Just give him the ball and he'll pop <laughs> up everywhere. Yeah, um, yeah. So maybe just a, a little question mark about left. And I think um, Mark Tillier, who, who fortunately for them, can play both sides equally well. And, and to me now, it's really just about who are... Um, you know the, the other guys that they take with them. Midfield, I mentioned the, the, the you know the four names there. Um, I think we'll see McKenzie come back into the mix this week. I think they've got that sorted out. They've got three guys who can play ten, who can play fifteen. Mm. Halfbacks, yeah. <laughs> Look, I think he, he. The only thing is that he, he's got to drop uh, three or four players from the group that he's got there now. Yeah. And, but I, I think they've got a pretty strong idea now about who their their top twenty three is. And that's not a bad state to be in. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good spot. Did you like that that lineup last night? Uh, last night on uh, Saturday night, Harry, or, or was there is is there a little bit of magic dust still to come into that all back side? You reckon? Well, I suppose Damien McKenzie has to wonder if that season yeah. that I just put on the field doesn't get me in the twenty three. Yeah. What what what, does? what more do I need to do? Yeah. And I'm not knocking Talia for the the, the, the non-tap and go, but and it must be really excruciating too. If you do that and then you actually stop and everyone looks at the big screen and 82,000 people are watching your ham-handed Keystone Cops routine. Yeah. So I feel bad for the man. But I Well, it was think- funny. It's funny you mentioned that because as they start looking at it, we've – and I mentioned on Saturday night I was sitting next to, to Jeff Parks, but we've, we've both looked at it and gone, did he tap that? And we were almost joking. And we're saying yeah. it like we weren't really serious about it, and then suddenly like realised that that's actually what they're looking at. I was like, he's absolutely missed that. So, yeah, because yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, if if he hasn't tapped it properly, then you could argue that play hasn't actually started. I think in the end they they did the sensible. Thing. Yes, I know. Up, yes, I know what you're saying. And, and let's face it. I mean, I called the game in Melbourne last year, and I'm still trying to get my head around what happened at the finish of that. Oh, and, and, I'm still not ready to talk about that, Tony. I, I don't want to go back there. <laughs> you don't want no, to. I, I, and that's an interesting point. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I, it's interesting. Like, I, I think I wondered at the time if you, if it just yeah it didn't happen. It's like the tree didn't fall in the forest. And it reminds mm-hmm. me of that the try that I thought maybe um, the, the the Springboks scored. 
but then it wasn't, it was disallowed, but then no one really, like the referee didn't cover, well, what happened next then? So, so nothing happened. And, yeah, and so I think yeah. sometimes referees get, get hyper-focused on that moment to go, yeah, but so yeah. let's just pretend that he dropped the ball. He's walking yeah. around and dropped the ball when nothing happened. Uh, no, but I think that one little microcosm moment of Tele is, I don't know if he's, uh, he's still, I think, learning some nuance of the game. And I always think the All Blacks are best when they have, when every single back three player is a real footballer. Like, I like it when they have um, an Israel Dag playing wing fullback and a Mills Mulianina and a, I like uh, these, like, really, like, Bowden Barrett can pop up anywhere in the team. It's okay. Mm. So I do wonder a little bit about if you could put Mark under some pressure, what would happen? It's a little bit like if Marika Korobetti goes off script. Like, he's great when you point him like a rocket and he just hits yeah. things or goes. But when he has to actually work out a rock, you always wonder what's he going to do. And the World Cup could turn on those little moments. So I kind of like, you know, I like a guy like Damian McKenzie being on the field because he can take something and turn it into something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they got to find a way, I think. But beyond that, I mean, yeah. come on, that's that's a pretty well-settled team. Unlike the box, mm -hmm. you still you look at them, they, probably six out of 15 are not really starting, you know, in a, in a yeah. knockout, knockout match. So I do I think, think the All Blacks uh, have come together at just the right time. Uh, very annoyingly for the rest of us, but it looks mm. very, very good. Yeah, that's a good point. I, and I still don't know what the. I think that was close to the Wallabies' best, but I still don't. I'm still not 100 sure what is. What Tony? Do you think we? What What do we see from New Zealand in, in Dunedin this weekend coming? Well, that, that's the sixty four thousand dollar question, and <laughs> you know the, the debate is: Do you now that you've got those uh, trophies in the bag? Do you give game time to the guys who've been on the fringe? But there's a couple of guys in the squad who haven't had a look at Sammy Pinau, who I think is a terrific yeah. prospect. He hasn't had a game. Um, Dallas McLeod hasn't had a, a, a game either. Um, so do you, you know, basically rest some of your top players? The trouble is, I think you've also got to keep the momentum going. Yeah. Uh, especially when, when, when it comes to, you know, a, a team that you could well be facing at a, a crossover stage in the World Cup. Yeah. And so I think they've got to try and find a balance here uh, is, yes, this is an opportunity uh, to, to bring a couple of more players in the pot. Maybe go back to a combination a bit more like uh, that played the opening game uh, in Mendoza. Damien McKenzie, as I say, I think I, he'll probably start at, at 10. And then, so there'll be some fun and games there. But I, I think they'll want to keep winning. I, I don't think mm. they want to... Um, go go out with a team that they think well we can well lose with this team. I, I think they want to stay ahead of the game, and that means uh, winning this. But and of course, by the same token, they also know. And I don't know how much they think about this sort of thing. But do you really want to give uh, encouragement, uh, positivity to to one of your rivals if, if if Australia wins the game? That's quite a nice springboard into the World Cup. Hey, we beat the All Blacks yeah. last time. Rugby on the Raw. Now, Harry, I asked you this last week, but your World Cup adventure is, you're all cool. You're sorted, aren't you? You're all good. Yeah, but I'm going back over everything, like constantly, like checking it, double checking it. I kind of think sometimes I wish I'd just signed up with one of those package things and said, do it for me, and I just show up and drink beer. Well, it just so happens that there are still World Cup deals out there to be found. French Attitude 2023 has very limited spots left on their Le Grand Debut tour, 
with former Wallabies and Western Force hooker Nathan Charles and featuring the one and only Tatafi Potter now. And it actually sounds like a pretty good deal. 12 days and 11 nights in four-star accommodation, including breakfast and various tours around Paris, Marseille, Monaco and a Seine River cruise, just to name a few. You take in the Rugby World Cup opening ceremony plus France v New Zealand in Paris on opening night. Then the Wallabies mm. opening match against Georgia in Paris as well. Then you jump on the TGV to Marseille for Scotland v South Africa with special guest and Scotland legend Gavin Hastings, followed by a couple of days in Nice and Monte Carlo, up to Lyon, finishing with the Wallabies crunch match against Fiji, and then a visit to Nathan's former club, Clermont. How good does that sound? 11 nights in four-star accommodation, touring costs and all match tickets, all for $9,399 excluding flights, all your tour details can be found at frenchattitude2023.com. Contact Murray Ski on 0423-029-807 or murray.ski, that's S-K-E-A, at frenchattitude2023.com. And he also has limited finals packages still available. Get in, guys. This is the tournament you want to go to see. France is a wonderful place to go and the guests are outstanding. Tony, the, the Trans-Tasman gap, is it? I mean, you've been watching Bledisloe Cup games for a long, long time. Is is the gap wider now than you can remember? Uh, it's it's hard to say. I think probably it was threatening to get that way. Look, mm. I saw on, on Saturday, when I first looked at that team, I thought, yeah, this is a good team. Mm. And I was saying, uh, good team on paper. But as we all know, games of rugby aren't played on paper. They're played inside no. television sets. Um, <laughs> uh, and I, I, I thought, you know, if he gets everyone in that team playing to their the, the level of their true ability, then that's a hell of a good side. It's just not happening at the moment. And I think the limited time frame is, is working against Australia, having Eddie Jones back in the job, at least when Czech took over the job and what was it... Uh, end of 2014 he had an end of year tour uh the previous year and then all the next year to get them ready for the world cup eddie jones and you know that eddie jones is going to come and he's going to change a lot of things he's going to change a lot of structures and what have you um i like the fact that he he went with mcdermott and uh and gordon gordon to me is a guy it's just a shame he hasn't played half a dozen more test matches yeah i think he's going to be terrific in in the Mm. future maybe you know he's still got parts of his game that need to be round. He made a couple of mistakes, uh, which can be really costly at, at, at the top level. Um, but I was, I was pleased to see him get, get the run. Um, and, you know, you've got a big, powerful forward pack, although, as I say, it's been those, the curse of those two injuries. And you've just got to feel for um, Ala Alatoa because you can sense that this guy is a real yeah. leader in the side and you yeah. lose more than a good rugby player, you lose a good man. Yeah, uh, Pupo looked, you know, he looked pretty desolate as well when he went down. Uh, hopefully, that looked like a rib injury. Hopefully, that'll that'll come right. Um, so yeah, I look, I, I just think the potential's there, but it's always there, and we'd always respect <coughs> the ability of Australia to put fifteen quality players on the field at the beginning big beginning of a game. Uh, it just so happens at the moment the All Blacks uh, have found their momentum. They've gone through their rough patch and maybe come out the other side of it. Maybe Australia just still yet to come out. When, out. when was 
When was the rough patch, Tony? I, I, well, I don't don't recall losing that. Home, losing the series at home to Ireland last year. Yeah. Uh, no, true. Uh, Dusted up. Um, they've, they've lost a couple of games to the, uh, the the Pumas, which had never happened before. They got absolutely True. dusted in, in Mobella last year by the Springboks. So, and 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 again, uh, turned around and Argentina beat them uh, after they came back as well. So, no, I, I think they've definitely um, been through a, a pretty rocky time of it. And look, you know, nothing that happens now necessarily is important of what's going to happen at the World Cup. We've, we've seen that no. so many times before. Um, I, I mean, the, very, the team that knocked New Zealand out of the World Cup in 2003, the All Blacks put 50 points on them earlier mm. in the year. Same yeah. thing happened with France in 2007. So I think you've got to be wary about what's happening now because really it's all about what, what's happening September, October. Yeah, no doubt. I think what Brett, Brett's saying is that he would love to have a rough patch uh, the way the yeah. All Blacks are. For the if, they could, <laughs> if they could go through a rough patch somewhere around about Bledisloe Cup time, that'd be bloody great, but it never <laughs> seems to happen. But, but Tony, <laughs> I, I, think, I think yeah, my, just, just from observing Australian rugby fans, it always seems like there's, they're wanting one big thing to happen or maybe one group of stellar players. I think your book that you co-wrote, Behind the Silver Fern, and this show is all about me reminding you what you wrote, um, which is still available behind the silver fern on paperback, hardcover, and Kindle. It's actually a very, very good book. It's a, still the best book to me explaining how an isolated country with a sparse population can be better than all the wider, richer, bigger nations in rugby. And you talk about this pyramid scheme of coaching, the breadth of tactics, the sharing, the, the, the lack of parochialism about sharing IP. And it's a, it's a book built on interviews um, with people who believe in the legacy of the jersey and this crazy, deep, abiding desire to make the nation proud. I mean, it's a fascinating book because it taps into that. And I also like the sentence, by the way, in one, in one part of your book where it says, the Springboks won the scrums by 36 to 15 in the 20s. That's how many scrums there used to be. But no, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like in fixing Australian rugby, which is like a very common... Um, debate on the roar, you know, what to do, grassroots, this, that. And it always comes to me, it comes back to that, that little thing I just went through, which is this really strong New Zealand um, legacy of, of actually building it, being very patient about it. I mean, yes, Ian Foster had his moment, but now look at him now, you know, like we kept faith. Yeah. Yeah, I, I suppose the difference in Australia, for, for a start, it's a, a far more competitive market, although it's becoming that way in New Zealand. You'd be staggered at the number of... I went to a basketball game uh, a couple mm. of weeks ago, our National Basketball League, and I'm seeing all these young kids who are, you know, six foot eight, and that's, you know, running around. Once upon a time, those guys would have all been playing rugby. You look at our rowing crews. We've got great a great rowing program. And again, mm. in the past, those they would have all been playing rugby. So it's not yeah. like... We've got rugby's got the floor to itself anymore, so they have to work really hard. Look, I've always felt that Australia, um, you know, for for a country that we, you know, you're competing against uh, AFL and the, the 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 league and and football, of course, is very strong as well. You know, Australia has also produced legendary players mm. and and some great teams. And I, you know, there was a time where try as they might, you know, the All Blacks just could not get the Bledisloe Cup back. I think just from, from a, an observer from the other side of the Tasman, I, I think there's a, 
there's a, a bit of a dispute going on or a conflict going on about the, the direction of the game. And there are people who want to take it back and base it around club rugby mm. and people who think, no, the answer is you've got to establish something similar to New Zealand's NPC, a, a more yeah. provincial-based mm-hmm. thing. I don't have the answer to that, but I think someone's got to find the answer. Someone's got to make yeah. that decision and and get that structure in place because at the moment it's sort of kind of stuck in a little bit of a limbo. Yeah. And, and you can sort that out. There's, I've never questioned, as I said before, the ability of, of Australia to put a quality group of players. And I, I think, you know, a guy like Karevi, for example, you know, to me, when he's playing at his best, Australia, that makes them one of the most threatening teams in the world. He's not there yeah. at the moment. Mm. I'm, I'm kind of hoping, and I, I was on a show with Sukupi Kepu um, at the weekend, and, and he made the point that he's, he's coming back from an ACL. And so I hope it's that, and I hope he can find mm. a way back to form. And it's not maybe age or the fact that he's been playing in Japan has caught up with him. Um, because, as I say, you get all those guys on the, the same page playing to their best of their ability, and, and you wouldn't fancy playing them in the semi-final of the World Cup. Mm. Yeah. No, no that, 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 back line, that Wallaby backline is lethal when it's properly channeled. And I'm, I still think they're still working out some of their plans. I mean... Uh, it just looks like everyone's thinking one second too long about everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're taking time. It's just not quite there, is it? I have a question, Tony, about you. Uh, you were a first-team lock at Queen Charlotte College. Were you also yeah. uh, a prefect there? Were you in any way a hallway pounder? Um, <laughs> yeah, I was kind of invited. I was I, Actually, at one stage, I think I was... Um, I was going to be the head boy, but I think that was vetoed um, by. <laughs> oh, tell us more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I think because I was the tallest guy, it was always my job to go to the bottle store <laughs> and come out with it. <laughs> and, uh, no, I did need And yeah, um, no, that, that was that, down in Marlborough. Yeah. And uh, I locked a scrum with a guy who won two Academy Awards, would you believe it? Uh, my great friend, Michael Hopkins, he worked on uh, the Lord of the Rings oh, movies. Of yeah. course, yeah. Nice. Yeah, we've, but our school's never, ever had an All Black, but we've had a guy that won two Academy Awards. Um, but no, I, I was definitely, um, I, I was not one of the upkeepers of discipline at our school. Actually, just <laughs> getting, getting back to what you were saying uh, before about uh, Scott Barrett, and the role that he's playing. And he is just playing fantastic rugby at the moment. And, and for all of the hard yards that he's made and the crunching tackles, I just thought the hands, that end-to-end try that ended up being scored by Rico Ioane, in the middle yeah. of that, he's yeah. picking up a different pass. He's kind of running onto it, stooping over. And it was a, a fantastic... Still got it away. Good work. But what I, if I'm Tate McDermott, Someone is buying me, I don't know whether it's beers or coffees or whatever, for the rest of the year. Who's the guy that left the door open at the line out? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, that's, yeah. That's, there's already, there's already a, a movement happening in the halfback ranks around Australia. That sort of thing will, yeah. we're not going to be let, letting that sort of thing stand. Oh, that's, that's unacceptable. He's such a tough rooster, too. And, you know, you've got to feel a bit sorry for a guy, you know, line out like that so early in the game and you're getting the ball and you're getting this big lunk from Taranaki, you know, right at your yeah. rib cage. Yeah, it's, it's not a nice way to start a test match. But I, 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 I like 
McDermott. I think he's a good player. Um, mm. Kane Haynes, who I um, do a lot of commentary work in the MPC with, you know, really rates him after his time at the Reds. Uh, I like the bloke from um, uh, the Waratahs as well, um, Lonigan. To oh, me, he's the Brumbies, like... yeah, Ryan, yeah, yeah, Ryan, yeah. Ryan, yeah. Yeah, Ryan Lonergan. He's probably got the best pass in Australia, right, at yeah. this point in time. Yeah. yeah he's, wonder, he's a proper name. Yeah. 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 I, I just wonder about Nick um, White. <laughs> to, to me, I, I, I did a Bledisloe Cup test at Eden Park oh, a couple of years ago, the one where Caleb Clark ran amok. And we highlighted um, Nick White at the beginning of the game and thought, you know, and I mentioned the legacy, the great legacy, and I know it's a sore point um, with one or two of your uh, contributors to mention Ken Catchpole, but he was a great player. And then there was Hitler <laughs> and there was um, Far Jones and there was Gregan. And, 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 you know, is Nick White going to be the guy to carry on that? That's where I mm. saw his potential, but it hasn't quite realised. And, and I just wonder whether now you know, Eddie Jones might have to make a bit of a hard call there. Yeah, you know, it yeah. seemed like when he played English club rugby, Nick White, the, the game ran through him and it looked better. And I think in some ways when he's playing the Brumbies, it's sort of his team. Um, I think yeah. sometimes it's hard to mesh a guy like Quade Cooper with him. And then you have obviously, a, you know, Carter Gordon is what is second or third test match. So I think it's difficult to rate all this, but uh, I'm, I'm with you, Tony. I think that's that's fair. Um, it was a tough weekend to be a nine. Uh, I thought mm. across the board, they were just they were being dragged into rucks both sides. Uh, obviously, the Grant Williams for the box got just knocked out in the first two oh, minutes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was oh. a, it was a, it was not as it was not. You wouldn't want to be a scrum off uh, this weekend. Do you do you still look at forward play more as, as because you played forward? Do you kind of when you watch the games and live, are you actually looking at packs? Are you looking at the ruck a lot more, or or how do you no, see a game? I, yeah. I'm, no way in the world am I going to try and figure out what's going on. It's just the, the ruck and the maul situation, it's just like, you know, for goodness sake, just get the ball out of there, will you? Um, <laughs> before we get, get up the game. And I don't like the driving maul. Um, I, I, I still I think that's the only time in rugby where you're allowed to put players in front of the ball carrier and get away mm. with it. I, I just I, I don't like it. And that, that that's another um, thing that came out of that, that test as well. And, and um, the influence of... Uh, Jason Ryan, I think, has been quite profound on this team. And it's like now uh, a line out five metres from the line. It's just a big red light. It's a stop sign. They are just determined. They are not going to concede tries and mm. driving more. And that gets back to my point about, you know, the Wallabies. Maybe, you know, they've just taken the three on offer instead of going back to the well and yep. trying to get out of that. Um, I, I, that's going to be an interesting thing at the World Cup because I think teams are becoming more adept at defending it um, yeah. but I'd rather defend it I just like to get rid of the damn thing um, because to me it's I mean hookers you know Tani Norton he was a guy that it was one of the best interviews I had for the book that you were talking about Harry uh, Tani Norton great player a great figure of New Zealand rugby I, I can't even remember him scoring a single try and now you've got Cody <laughs> Taylor who's, who's, and, and Fane, who, who are kind of like up there with the wingers and scoring yeah. more wingers because why? Because they're on the tow bar of a driving mall. Yeah, yeah. Da David Pocock still still jokes that the, uh, the, the 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 transfer laws were changed after he was the Brumbies' top top try scorer for one year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to us about the influence of, of Jason Ryan and Harry. This is you still think this is the, the the big switch that was flicked, and this is the difference between the 
the All Blacks becoming well, going back to being world beaters and maybe yeah. really dropped off the pace last year. Yeah, a, a proper All Black team has everyone really in their slots. It's they're always brutally good in the forwards. It's yeah, the show backs. Everyone talks about that, but proper All Black teams, <clears throat> you you know you've been on a test with them because they're incredibly physical. Jason Ryan brought back that sort of why are we being. Uh, why are we interested in parity? Let's beat some people up legally, but let's beat them yeah. up. And uh, pride. You don't want to come back to the sideline. You don't want to come back to, to change rooms with Jason Ryan when you, when you did something clearly wrong. I think, that, I think that's coming through. And maybe Ian Foster, who's obviously a nice man, maybe he wasn't bringing enough fire and brimstone. I don't know. But Jason has definitely brought that. What do you think, Tony? Yeah, I, I also think he's a, he's a great organizer. Uh, but but also the important thing is um, that they were having a few issues. They were getting players were getting sent off. Uh, you know, we had Scott Barrett was uh, red carded in a Bledisloe Cup True. test. Uh, Caleb Clark for a challenge not dissimilar, perhaps not as terrible in also terms true. of the, yeah as the one that we saw at the weekend. That was an absolute shocker. And why the hell that wasn't a red card on the spot, I just do not know. But anyway, um, diversity. Yeah, to get back to, to Jason Ryan, I just think he's a great technician. Mm. And he's come out of a, a fantastic environment. And that, to me, you know, the, the Crusaders haven't been the dominant force in Super Rugby for, for no reason. They have got an environment down there where not only do they take exciting young players and put them in this environment where they can get the best out of themselves, they also have a great legacy of producing uh, good coaches. And and he, he's obviously one of them. And so I've been able, they absolutely have, they, they have up their aggression levels, but it's a nice control about it. Um, yeah. You know, I, you know, he, he's done a great job. I'd love to see it, see how he go with like Thomas Lavanini or someone like that. That might be. <laughs> uh, don't get me wrong. I, I love watching him play, but it's just like you. Okay, when's the card coming? That yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> and, and Tony, that's yeah, the biggest surprise of the weekend that he got through a whole test against the <laughs> on the field. Yeah, what's funny is that Lavanini and Etzebeth have played uh, 20 matches against each other. Can you imagine? Like, they've literally become yeah, best they? friends. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. How, how good is Etzebeth? You know, he yeah. is still... I mean, I remember when he first came on the scene and I was just watching... He was at a, a, a game in New Zealand and he was having Stormers, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And he, playing against one of the New Zealand teams and he's kind of latched on the side of this ruck and he's going, kum, kum. And he's challenging the new, I can't remember which New Zealand team. Come and have a go at me. See how you do Yeah, right. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Fantastic player. Um, and the, evolu- the evolution of his game. I mean, he came out as just an enforcer guy, but every season he's dedicated. He What he does at the end of every season, he says, and now I want to add this thing. It's like all great players. And he is a great, yeah. he is a great. And he said, now I want to do chase. Now I want to be, I want to run a pod. Now I want to pass out the back. And he's added yeah. everything. So now you look at him, he's one of the three chasers. He's often mm-hmm. one of the people going downfield and tipping back yeah. or, or mooting someone. So I think you look at the guy, Etzebeth, who's, who's, I think that's a model for some of those young wallabies. Look at Nick Frost. Okay, you're good. But Nick, what can you add? What, what's the yeah. next piece? Yeah. I think that's what takes yeah. you over the top. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why someone like it's going to be really exciting watching Tubavai come through. Who mm. who could be that similar sort of player? He's you know he's maybe not quite ready yet, but he could be anything from from this point. Um, 
we've mentioned Rugby World Cup a couple of times, Tony. Are, are we? Are you on deck for for Sky? Are you over there in France? No, no. I'm. Uh, I'll be <clears throat> back here on uh, NPC duty. Uh, oh right. Uh, Grant, Grant is what's going over, and and uh, that that's that's fine. I, I uh, I've I've been pretty lucky over the years. I've only missed a couple of them, um, and and they've always great great experience, but not this time. Um, but I'll, I'll be I'll be watching it with great interest. And I, you know, I I love the NPC. Okay, so yeah. um, New Plymouth isn't Paris or, or Palmerston North. <laughs> or Luz, but, you know. um, but it's it's going to be. I I think it's. Uh, Apart from this sort of slightly lopsided draw, it's shaping up really well because you're going to have cliffhanger games, you know, right throughout the pool phase. It's it, it does look very even to me. I still think uh, France have to be the team to beat, and, and in fact, if yeah. they can't win this time with the team that they have got, um, with you know home advantage, uh, best player in the world in Dupont, but a great mm. side around. Then, then they will never win it. Having said that, you'll never ever underestimate the ability of the French to find some chaos somewhere along the line. The players will suddenly decide they have a coach or something will yes. go wrong. They've yes, to... we're, and, we're and, overdue for a, for a play, for for player unrest, aren't we? Amongst the French. Well, and, and the other thing too is that they have a you know you talk about the legacy, say of Ireland, of never being past the quarterfinal stage and. You know they've got a great opportunity to to, to break mm. that down. Um, but France have never been able to put two really good performances together at the business end of the World Cup. They both keep doing it against us. They keep coming up with this fantastic performance, knocking the All Blacks out <laughs> in the semi or the quarter, and losing the next game. Looked like playing for the rest of the tournament. Yeah, this yeah. is different now. They go in now with the the mantle. They are absolutely the favourites. Yeah. They're at home. They've got a great side. So come on then, you get, you get, let's, you know, let's let's yeah let's yeah, let's. Yeah. I think it'll now, be fitness. You, you look at the Welsh; they're training at you know forty degrees heat in Dubai, and then the next next week they're on the top of a Swiss mountain in freezing buckets. They look like they're all bodybuilders. The French are complaining because they're printing in uh, Monte Carlo, in, in uh, and they're the, the king of the king of Monaco is watching, and they're all complaining about it being a little bit too hot. And that they weren't allowed oh, okay. uh, to take a shower. I think it's fitness that gets them every time. They don't yeah, have the yeah. extreme nature of the uh, of the other guys. Yeah, I presume yeah. they'll be having their their team meetings in the Hall of Mirrors at Versailles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, true, true. They'll find now, a nice place for them to stay. Now, confirm <laughs> this for me, Tony. I've got a vague recollection that you called a game for Channel Nine back in the 2011 World Cup. Is that yep. right? Yeah, I did, and um, and it was uh, look, I, it was a great experience because I was due to do the semi final on the Sunday, the New Zealand Australia game. Sky was the host broadcaster, mm. and that was for the, the world feed, and, and I was really looking forward to that, um, and a, you know, great occasion it was. And then, oh, beginning of the week, I got a call from Steve Crawley, who was at nine then. I think he, he went to Fox after he that. Went to Fox after that, yeah. And he said, um, look. Um, we're uh, we're doing the semi-finals, and um, just wondering whether you'd like to call the the, the Saturday one for us, and because um, two um, GB Ray Hadley Ray Hadley was was yeah, was Ray doing some yes the, yeah the, the second game, and so here am I at Eden Park my you know I guess field of dreams and sort of kind of I pinch myself every time I, I get the opportunity to do something like 
And I've got Andrew Slack on one side and George Gregan on the other. And I'm thinking, <laughs> what the hell did I do, you know, to, to, you know, to deserve this? these two great players? <clears throat> and, 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 of course, Slacky I'd first met way back when I was a kid yeah. working at Eden, and he was the captain of the Wallabies under Bob Dwyer. An absolutely fantastic bloke. And, and George, of course, well, you know, legend of the game. And so, yeah, I, I called that game for Channel 9, and I was very... I felt very privileged to be asked to do it, and I'm forever grateful um, for Steve. I hope I was able to do it justice. But of course, you know that was a famous game because uh, Sam Warburton got got sent off, and I'm sort of sitting there going, "What just happened there?" And straight away, Blackie just goes, "I think someone's World Cup might have just come to an end." This is before yes. the cars. So that's yes. the that a guy like Andrew Slack brings to the yeah. occasion. Yeah, it's great. Two, two absolutely great. I'll tell you another story, if I might. Um, yeah. We were in uh, Dublin a few years ago, um, Nisbo, myself, and Justin Marshall, just finishing uh, dinner and it's somewhere in the, the Temple Bar area, and, and Justin's phone goes, and he goes, yeah, mate, yep, yep, right, be right there. He goes, that was George. George is at the uh, getting inducted into the Rugby Hall of Fame, but he's had enough. He wants out. <laughs> <laughs> and he wants, he wants to come and play. And so we sort of go, all right, well, see, no, you, you come. So we, we, we picked up Marsh, uh, um, George from his hotel and we went to uh, a pub just around the corner from the Aviva Stadium, uh, Crows. It's where you did the pod from, wasn't it, Harry, when you were having breakfast yeah, or something? exactly. <laughs> right, great pub. Right. Yeah. And, and, and real rugby people that own it. I think it's a father and son operation. And and it just so happened that the boss was behind the bar and, he, and Justin Marshall and George Gregan walk in and the, the jaw hits the floor. And so we sit down and we had a, you know, we had a, a round of Guinness, a pint of Guinness each. And, and then I went up to get the next round just in case at some stage I could be, you know, not be accused of not buying my round or whatever. And the guy <laughs> goes, he pulls down a bottle of the old Bush, Bushmill, the bronze label Bushmills, pulls out four of those, four pints of Guinness. He said, those are on the house, lads. He said, we're going to close up in a moment, but you guys, you just stay there as long as you... I won't do the Irish accent. He said, you just stay there as long oh, as Oh, how good. <laughs> how good. Oh, magnificent. Magnificent. We've... I, I want to, I, We didn't let you go, Tony, but I wanted to, to, to bring up one last thing. You had your prostate cancer diagnosis back in 2019, yeah. and you can't ever prepare for that sort of thing. But no. I'm wondering how much did it change your perspective on so many facets of your life? Yeah, well, look, th thanks for bringing it up, Brett, because um, it's something I think, you know, we, we blokes need to talk about, um, mm. particularly when you get into that uh, on the other side of 50 and, and, you know, sniper alley, I think they call it. That's when things can start to go wrong. And so my, my message is um, you just got to get a health check every year. And in New Zealand, um, we're really pushing hard to, to make it easier for people to get blood tests, um, which yeah. is how I picked up mine, just a routine yeah. blood test. Uh, it, it certainly uh, changed from a, a, a lot of things. Um, you, you go through a pretty dark place for a while, and I feel for people who have ongoing. I was very fortunate getting it uh, early. They operated, mm. they removed the whole thing. I didn't do radio, uh, radiation or chemo, and I, 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 my heart bleeds for people who have to go through yeah. that. Um, but absolutely, it does. And I, I, there's a couple of things. I mean, firstly, makes you appreciate your, your your family and what's really important in life and and you know the support that i got from my, my i didn't tell too many people but the colleagues that knew about it how supportive they were 
But in the end of it, I just, I was so looking forward to getting back to work. I took a few weeks off after the surgery and I did a game down in, um, down in Dunedin with Mertz. And the only thing is, is that when you come back from that surgery, you, your control isn't what it used to be. You've <laughs> so I had to, during this game, taking off the headphones, whipping out the back and just finding a spot and coming back in again. And Mertz is going, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> it, it, just, it, it takes a while for that sort of thing to get back to normal. But look, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a real um, issue. Um, and as I say, if I could just... Men, we're hopeless because we don't want to get tested in case they find something. Um, mm. We're scared of it. Um, but, you know, women have been doing it for years with the various, um, you know, breast cancer and other um, women-related cancers. And so, you know, like we just got to get used to the idea of doing it too. But, um, you know, thanks for the opportunity to, to mention it. It was yeah. certainly a, a changing experience. But it just, uh, I guess, at the end of the day, makes you realise how lucky you are, A, to have your, your, your family and your loved ones, but also um, to work in a job where you love what you do. And yeah. And just appreciate it even more. Yeah. yeah it's, always been, it's always been such a pleasure to listen to you, Tony. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's only one Welsh commentator that I even think compares to you. I've forgotten his name, but he's a pleasant pleasure to listen to. But uh, I always wonder. I was wondering before this podcast, what is it exactly that I like about your delivery? And I think it maybe, maybe you were, you're maybe you're always this way. But it seems like you have a humility, uh, and that you're not trying to make yourself bigger than the game, and you paint a picture well, maybe from your radio days. And the other thing is, you get it right. I mean, when you're actually talking about yeah. the game, it's not annoying because you you you're actually you, you render opinions. Uh, but like, like I said, with a humble air uh so yeah it's it's been it's always been wonderful to listen to you when i see that your names come up i said ah this is going to be a good one yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think it's one of those things where time on the job is really important and you get a lot yeah. of young guys that that come through and and that they want everything to happen uh in a hurry and i always say you know it, it's the difference i mean you, you watch a lot of american sport i'm sure and I, I love it it's like you don't have the gravitas to be a commentator in America, unless you're on the wrong side, the other side of at least forty, probably fifty, yeah, right. and it's kind of it's different in, in our part of the world where, um, and I look, you know, in my earlier days, um, I had difficulty, a lot of difficulty, controlling my emotions um, at times during a game, um, and I remember one night I I got stuck into Butch James because he was he, he went on the the rampage against the Chiefs and I, I said a few things so I you know I really regretted the next day I thought mm. geez I, I wish I could have that again and you only learn in in some ways from those experiences you learn from the mistakes that you make and I think as you get older you kind of mellow out and you're more you know trying to be correct and say the right things <laughs> and capture the moments but look. You know, there's there's lots of talented commentators. I mean, Scotty Stevenson, you spoke to last week. Oh, just yeah, he's good. Magic, with, magic. Oh, I mean, he he came out with one of the best lines. Counties Monaco were playing a game, and they had a a, a, a number eight called Mama by Paul. Mama. Just killed him, man. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we played it. We played it to him last year and said, "Come on, admit it. Did you have that one in the, in the cannon ready to go?" And he yeah. he, said he, was, he, he thought about it. Nisbo, of course, is a, a master commentator. We great legacy in New Zealand because we we had Keith Quinn. But I, mm. you know, right at the outset of my career, I had uh, the great privilege of covering the Hong Kong Sevens one year with Bill McLaren, and this is my first oh, gig wow. as commentator. I'd done radio for quite a while, but and just in awe of the guy and such a lovely man. 
but he showed me his notes and I've the meticulous preparation. He had these huge, big screeds of notes and he said, no, if, I use, if I use more than half of them, I've overdone it. And that was a yeah. Big... yeah, yeah. Oh, more than half is, I mean, yeah. I'd love, love to use anywhere near half. It's just, it's, yeah. it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Tony, we've absolutely loved this chat. Uh, we could absolutely keep firing questions at you for <laughs> another several hours, but it's been fantastic to have you on. Um, look, best of luck calling for the rest of this year and uh, and through the MPC. We'll pick you up um, on, on our, our screens in Australia watching that, in fact. So uh, it's just been an absolute joy. Thanks so much for giving us some time. Well, it's been a great pleasure, guys. I, and, and I, you know, I love uh, reading your thoughts on, on The Raw and, and, and keep up the good work. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk again soon. The Raw. Harry, just fantastic to have Tony Johnson on. I, I knew he would be a great guy to chat to. And that was just, I mean, we're blessed every week. And yet again, we've just had another fantastic rugby chat with a fantastic rugby person. Yeah, one of the all-time rugby raconteurs. I mean, yeah. I've always thought that he's really straight up on, on uh, presentations. He's really yeah. excellent. But I didn't know he was so funny. Uh, and also, um, I really, I'm glad you brought up the, 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 the cancer issue. And, and it was wonderful yeah. to see how he went through that and still with humor. And I'm making a resolution. I'm going to go out right now and find myself a, a blind Asian doctor with very small fingers. And I'm gonna just <laughs> right away today yeah and, and that's and that's the the underlying message we we all and he's spot on we all we and i'm using the royal we as blokes um we we don't probably think about that being something that we want to do but maybe it's just something that we actually need to do and so you know once yeah. we reach a certain age um you know things start going awry and it is much better to get them earlier than it is to uh, uh to, to get it later so um yeah we'll call that a community service announcement uh, on the Royal Brett, Rugby podcast. Brett, what are you wearing today? What is that? Yeah. Yeah. Now, you notice this on Saturday. You have actually seen this before. This is, uh, I've got, look, I, ha I will say that this is all part of the jersey collection. And you think this is a bad habit that I've got myself hooked into. And I have got some very exciting news about the NSC jersey collection, which we'll get to in the next few weeks. This was the one I picked up along the way. This is an original 2007. This is the original Melbourne Rebels jersey from the, 2007 Australian Rugby Championship. It was a great competition, only ran for a year. ARU at the time didn't have enough patience for it. Could have been a fantastic competition by now. But this was the jersey, and it was magnificent. And so when I found one in the middle of my jersey search, I just went, have that now. Thank you very much. And so, yeah, yeah when in Melbourne. It's, it's smart, yeah. It's, it's, it's good. It's quality. It's like traditional Victorian hoops jersey. So there you go. Some results from the weekend, mate. Very quickly, we can whip through these. Uh, Fiji dominated Samoa uh, for a second straight Pacific Nations Cup win, 33-19 um, in Apia. I mentioned at the top, very Drua-laden. You basically take the Drua jersey off, put the Flying Fijians one on, same team. But that speaks um, to the importance of the Drua's participation in, in Super Rugby right now. Uh, Japan bounced back from their first round loss to Samoa. They beat Tonga. 21-16 in Osaka. Scotland beat Italy at Murrayfield 25-13 on the weekend to kick off their, uh, kick off the Summer Nations Cup or something like that it's called, um, and their World Cup preparations as well. And Uruguay beat Chile 26-25 in Montevideo for their first, first warm-up game 
as well. So it'd be great to see both those teams in action. A little bit of news, um, mate, over the last couple of days. Um, excuse me. Saracens have signed Argentinian back row one Martin Gonzalez, uh, impressive arrival for, for next season. But Bristol, having missed out on Gonzalez, went straight for his teammate Santiago Grondono, which is a, a good pickup as well. Um, Leinster, I don't know if you saw this, Leinster and their new kit suppliers, Castore, have been left a bit red faced after a blunder on their new jerseys. Uh, for next year, the images of the jerseys that were circulating on social media had five stars. <laughs> you can thank uh, our mate Jared Wright on uh, Planet Rugby for pointing that one out. Um, I mentioned a few weeks ago that Jake Gordon had signed uh, an injury cover, World Cup cover deal at Toulon. That's off. He failed his medical after he'd been over there for a few weeks. He'd, he'd been training with them, then went and played for Australia A against Tonga, Suffer concussion, mm. and now he's looking at a four to eight week recovery. And Toulon just said, "Well, that's obviously not going to work as well." I mentioned Alana Alalatoa; his Achilles rupture was confirmed. But Eddie Jones also mentioned on Saturday night that there's genuine doubt about Michael Hooper's fitness, maybe even going into the World Cup. So, wow, all sorts of concerns uh, for Wallabies fans and coaches alike. But mate, I think that is us done for episode seventy three of the Raw Rugby Podcast, powered by Asics. Don't forget, Harry and I are both on the socials, uh, on Twitter. We're both now on Insta and Threads as well. Uh, please do leave us a rating review if you can on your pod platform, if it allows it. And as well, do like, follow, subscribe, and make sure you see every new episode as it goes live onto your pod platform of choice. It's the Raw Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay, and Harry Jones. Every week on the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate the home of all your favourite international rugby analysis, opinions and conversations. A reminder, you've only got a week to nominate your picks for the Raw's greatest ever Wallabies Rugby World Cup 15. Find the shortlisting pod on your favourite platform and jump onto the site before midnight next Tuesday, August 8, and have your say. And it's all thanks to ASICS, the official performance apparel and footwear partner of the Wallabies. But thanks for listening. We'll be back in your ears on Saturday night with another instant reaction the second Bledisloe Cup test under the roof in Dunedin. Come check with us.